good to be, uh, in a sense, back home at the 5 o'clock service. It's always fun, you know, when I sit down and have to turn around for the first song to get back up and see how much bigger the crowd is after I um, come in. Uh, I want to spend some uh, time tonight um, looking at this passage uh, from 1 Thessalonians, our epistle reading. And just um, to give you a little background, uh, Paul... Uh, on his second missionary journey, a second of three missionary journeys, had gone to the, the town of Thessalonica, and he had begun preaching in the synagogue, as was his custom, and, uh, and he had just, in a very short time, a, a ton of, of converts. People from all walks of life were coming to put their faith in the Lord Jesus. And the Jewish sort of establishment there got really kind of upset about it. Uh, the fact they got, they got jealous, and they... Um, stirred up a mob, and they were, and, and were going to um, do him some great harm, and so uh, the, the Christians there uh, snuck him out in the middle of the night and sent him over to Berea. He began to preach in Berea, which was uh, not too far away, and the, but the Christians, I mean the Jews in Thessalonica heard that he was there in Berea, so they went there and started a mob there, and, and so he went down to Athens and then finally to Corinth, and he was just really sort of distraught at this, at the, unnerved really by the, um, by the difficulty, uh, and he was just, his heart as a pastor just went out to his friends, and you know, they didn't have email and, and smartphones, so they, they just did, had no idea uh, if the, the wrath sort of that he had incurred there was being now meted out on them and, uh, and the faithful believers there, and so finally in Corinth, he couldn't take it anymore, and so he sends Timothy, his young protege, sends him up to Thessalonica uh, and to, to meet with the believers there and to um, bring back this report. And what Timothy brings back is, is Paul, you won't uh, believe this. I mean, they, they are amazing. Their faith is so great and they are uh, doing so well as a church and uh, as a body of believers there. And Paul is overjoyed. And so he sits down and he writes them uh, this letter. This uh, is regarded by Many scholars is the first of, of Paul's letters, uh, and, and, and it's sort of a, uh, it's his epistle, and it's sort of a new genre that, that people wrote letters, and they wrote instruction, but they didn't really write letters in instruction very much, uh, or instruction in letters very often. So, uh, so here uh, we have, and right out of the gate, right out of the gate, uh, Paul is saying he is so thankful, and he's just overjoyed with this great news that he has uh, received from, from Timothy of their faith, and he's just overjoyed, and, and what, he, what he says he's thankful for just sort of arrested me, and, and I want us to think about uh, that. He says that he is thankful for the uh, work of faith, and the labor of love, and the steadfastness of hope. The work of love, and the labor, a uh, work of faith, and labor of love, and steadfastness of hope, and, and it's easy to sort of skate by those, those are sort of churchy kind of phrases, and, and, and it's sort of easy to, to skate past those if we're, if we're reading through Scripture, but I, I, I just sort of sat on them for a little bit, and I, I thought, you know, work, it is hard, and it's not usually, um, it's not, it, it's, it's usually by merit, it's, it's something that we, um, that we do for, uh, for ourselves on our own strength, it's not usually an act uh, of faith. It's strange that Paul would, would pair work and faith and then labor and love. We hear that phrase a lot, you know, oh man, it's a labor of love, but it's usually more labor than love when we're talking about that. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's hard 
uh, work, and then um, the steadfastness of hope. Hope is uh, typically anything but steadfast. You know, I hope that I get um, a bike for Christmas, or I hope that I, uh, you know, don't get a ticket, or, you know, we, it's not concrete, it's not resolute, it's not steadfast. So that Paul's pairing of, of these things is um, worth our attention. And, um, and but, but what, what he does in this, what we have in, in actually our passage, the whole of chapter one, and what he, what he does is he actually, he explains it. Uh, he explains it in, in, in sort of four steps. He, he outlines sort of a, a path of Christian growth. And he says, first, uh, they, were, they were converted. He says that uh, we know that, you are, that God has chosen you because uh, our gospel came to you, not only in word, so there was, there was a mental assent, which is very important, but that's not all that happened. And not, not only in, in word, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and in full conviction. So it was, it was a mighty conversion. They were, it was a magnificent conversion, a, a majestic conversion. They, they, were, they were all in, as we might say. They, uh, they, were, um, they were fully convinced uh, from their head to their toes, uh, and to their heads and their hearts. Uh, they were fully convinced of the um, divinity of Christ and that Jesus died for their sins. And see, what we see then is from, um, from this mighty conversion, we come to maturity, which we might call discipleship, but it doesn't start with M. So, um, so uh, we go to maturity, and we see what Paul says is that you became imitators of us and of the Lord. And so from, uh, from conversion, being sort of uh, converted in our head and converted in our heart, we move into this discipleship, this maturing in the Lord, uh, imitating uh, Christ, imitating those who have gone before us, uh, learning from them, uh, the, studying the apostles' teaching. Uh, at, you know, they didn't, they didn't have the New Testament. They, Paul, this is the New Testament. He's writing them uh, there. And so, um, so they would have sat at the feet and become imitators of Paul and the other apostles. We have the, their writings, the apostles' teaching. And so uh, they sort of stewed in those things, marinated grew in the knowledge and love of the Lord. And then it says, they moved into ministry. Uh, ministry first within the church. Um, Paul says that, they so that you became an example um, to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. So it's not um, mission yet, as we're about to talk, and that's the fourth one. But so from uh, this mighty conversion to maturity to uh, ministry within the church, that they, they are, um, they are, Encouraging the faith of fellow believers uh, in their area. They are ministering within the church. They're taking um, uh, their place in the participation of the ministry and the life of their uh, church, which is uh, an important step in the life of a Christian. And then they move into mission. He says, but it wasn't just in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth uh, everywhere. And of course, what that means is um, is more conversions, and so we we have mighty mighty conversion, and we have um, we have maturity and, and ministry and, and missions, and then we have more conversions after that, uh, and the cycle begins over and over again. And, and what Paul says is is that um, that this is this is I mean what he articulates here is the is the 
is the pattern of, of the Christian life, and, and, and not just our, our lives as individuals, but the life of the church and how the church perpetuates uh, itself. And, and it would have been important because this is Paul's story. Remember, he was converted in a, in a mighty way when he was on the road to Damascus, and, and Jesus appeared to him and sort of knocked him off his horse with a bolt of lightning, and he was blind, and then he, he went in and, and, and he, um, he became a, a Christian follower of Jesus, but he uh, acts as that he sort of stood in that for a long time. Anyway, 14 years, 17 years, he, he, um, he met with the apostles, and he met with Barnabas, and he just learned, read his Bible, the Old Testament, it was just the Testament then, and they, um, and they, just, um, they, they just read the scriptures, and, we, and, and he, just, he just learned of his faith in Christ, and then he began to minister in the, in the church in uh, Antioch. And then they sent him out, uh, as the, at the word of the Lord, sent him out uh, to those who had not yet uh, heard about Jesus. So, this conversion, and then, and then um, maturity, and then ministry, and then missions. Um, that's my story as well. Um, I mean, well, I, was, I, I grew up in church, but I was um, really converted outside the church, really, through, through young life, and, and began quickly going to uh, Bible studies. And I, you know, it's not, it's it, it's not in this. It's all, not always neat like this. I mean, I, for me, I, I feel like I've been converted about four or five times in different different ways, and and, and maybe uh, in some little ways every day there's little conversions of, of yourself. Um, but uh, but that's part of maturity, and, and growing in the knowledge and love of the Lord, and reading the Scripture, and studying the Scripture, and and then moving into the life of the church, and then and then ministering. Uh, in the world uh, beyond the church or beyond your, your local uh, context. And, and I would say, so if this is Paul's story, and this is, uh, in, in a sense, my story as well, it's, it's probably your story as well, too. Um, that there is, uh, or will be, uh, for some maybe, but, but probably for most of us, there's a point of conversion. Maybe it was a, a lightning bolt kind of thing, or maybe, you know, you were just sort of asleep on the train when you crossed the border and woke up and thought, oh, I'm here. You know, and so, um, and, and there was this, uh, time where you realize, uh, or that you realize that you had realized that that Jesus was your Lord, that His death, His life, and His death was not just something far away in another time, in another galaxy, on another planet, you know, in another continent, um, on on some cross somewhere, but actually that it means something to you, that He actually was there in your place on the cross, dying for your sins, a judgment that he did not deserve, but that we deserve, and that he took that upon himself so that you might be reconciled to God. He died for your sins. And then there's a, with that conversion comes a, a maturing, and you're here tonight, you're worshiping, you're listening to the word, and, and you're probably in small groups or Bible studies, or you're listening to uh, sermons on the radio or something, and you're doing, you're maturing in Christ, and then uh, many of you are taking an active part in the life of the church or uh, in some sort of um, ministry for, for believers, and then some of you are moving beyond that and, and thinking of your neighbor uh, who is in crisis and they don't, they don't have uh, a faith in Christ, and you're stepping into that place with Christ and allowing Him to use you in that place, or, or, or it's a family member, or it's a or it's just somebody that you meet in the supermarket line. I, I don't know, but um, or you're participating financially and in prayer with uh, someone who's um, out as a missionary in, in some faraway place. But in any of those things, that this I, I wonder where you are 
uh, sort of wonder where you are on in this in this pattern, uh, and 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 see what Paul says all comes back to the gospel, because all those things um, that this I mean it seems like work to to reach people and to study and to and it seems like labor, but we work because we have have placed our faith in the Lord Jesus, and it and it does, it's, it's a it really is a labor of love. It really is. We love because He first loved us. And, 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 our, and we really do have a resolute and concrete hope because it's not a wispy wish, but it's, we know that Christ is coming back and that His death and resurrection had something to do with us and He promised that He will come again. And so we anticipate that. And so uh, it all comes back uh, to the gospel that sinners have been saved by grace and commissioned into His study and to His service. Um, you may know that I am uh, about to start a, a new chapter in, um, or participate in a new chapter in the life of the Advent as I head out to Trustville. And I've heard uh, this. I'll be named the interim rector there. And, and I have um, heard that this happens uh, to folks that when they call to something. But um, I have, you know, I, I wake up in the middle of the night and I've got 15,000 ideas and an Evernote and I are just, you know, having a, some quiet time together. I'm going to be writing down all these these uh, ideas that I have and, uh, in the middle of the night. And, and sometimes when I can't get back to sleep, I read uh, Martin Luther, because um, I think sometimes that'll and, um, help me. And I, I'm thinking about this, this work of faith, and, and, and I commend to you, although sometimes it's so exciting that I, I have to stay up and read it. But, um, so I was reading last night, and I'm thinking about this work of faith, and, and, um, and I began reading the, uh, Martin Luther's treatise on good works, um, which is really a, an exposition of the Ten Commandments. And, and this is the very first thing he says in this, this treatise. This is, this is, I'll read this and then we're done. He says, We ought first to know that there are no good works except those which God has commanded, even as there is no sin except that which God has forbidden. Therefore, whoever wishes to know and do good works needs nothing else and to know God's commandments. And then he says this, the first and highest, the most precious of all good works is faith in Christ. As Jesus says, John 6, when the Jews asked him, what shall we do that we may be doing the works of God? Uh, He answered, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. When we hear or preach this word, we hasten over it, and deem it a very little thing and easy to do, whereas we ought here to pause a long time and ponder it well. For in this work, that is, in this faith, all good works must be done. When we do the work of growing in Christ, we do the work because the work has already been done for us. So we, for that, because we love, because we have first loved us, we stand in the concrete hope because it has been uh, held up to us as a sure and blessed thing. Um, This faith, this work that God has done for us, uh, we work for Him. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Amen.